Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a hand clap all over the house today. Come on, look out, devil. Here we come. Yeah. All right, let's dismiss the children and the middle schoolers and the rest of us. Get your Bible. Yes, I said your Bible, not your iPhone. Well, okay, your iPhone, iPad, whatever you got. And let's say this out loud and say it proud. This is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community and expressed through outreach to others. Therefore, I can say, and come on, give Jesus one more big hand clap. All right. I want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine. His name is David Nichols. He's actually the cousin to Josh Nichols, and I found that out a while back. I went to school with David Nichols, and he's watching all the way from Louisville, Kentucky. So give David Nichols a big hand clap. Love you, Dave. He, uh, he's going to be in town here pretty soon. We're going to have lunch, and I've got a whole lot of classmates that are going to be hanging around here soon. A lot of folks I went to high school with, so we'll give you more information about that as time goes on. But do y'all love the Lord Jesus with all your heart this morning? I, I, I say this every time, but it is so true this morning. I am absolutely pumped in my spirit about this word. And one reason why is because of the words that have already been spoken here today. Jonathan spoke that word and he had no idea what I was going to talk about today. He had absolutely no idea. He came up to me last Sunday and said, hey, I feel like this is a word. And I heard that word and I said, well, I don't believe it's for now. I believe it's for next week. And he held on to that, uh, you know, all week because, again, he had no idea what I was going to talk about today. And it'll make more sense in a moment. But don't you love it when the Holy Spirit steps in, lines things out, and just does what he wants to do as we, as we yield to him? So I just ask you to kind of pay close attention today. Let's, let's have some fun this morning. And I want to start off a little different this morning, just by, you know, kind of having a moment with you guys. How many of you would agree that at, at some point in your life, there was something that marked a moment in your life? I, I think most of you are just shaking your head. Yeah, I guarantee you, if, if I had time to go around the room and ask you what specifically was it, I believe some of you would say, you know, hey, well, there, there was a song. And every time I hear this song, that, that song's like a time machine. It, it takes me back to a moment. Uh, I remember as a little kid going to the movies to see Star Wars with my mom. That marked a moment in my life, really. That was a huge moment. But, but don't you all think, wouldn't you agree, that, that all of us have something that marks a moment? And it would be different for everyone in the room. But most of you agree that you could think of something, right, that, that marked a moment. Now, for me personally... Something that marked moments in my life as, as a young teenage boy uh, were sports moments. Jonathan even said in that, that, that word, you know, about sports moments. For whatever reason, when I was a, a, a teenage guy, you know, love sports. Any guys you, you like sports? Now, ladies, I might lose you on, on some of these next points here, but, but these moments, they, they really impacted me, okay? And I just, I, is it okay if I share a few of them with you? I, I just want what we're doing this morning to just wrap around everybody and pull us in because I really want to make things practical. Everybody say practical. So, so just some things that marked my, mom, my moments in, in, in my life. Let, let me ask you if you guys, does anybody remember these guys? Now, you may not. Now, shout it out. Who is that? Does anybody know who that is? Yeah, the 85 Bears specifically. Do y'all remember the 85 Bears? They marked a big moment. My, I can still name these guys. That's Steve McMichael, Wilbur Marshall, Richard Dent. Y'all remember the Fridge, William Perry. And then Dan Hampton, number 99. These were some tough guys. All right, let me show you just a little video clip of why they were so tough. Here's the quarterback way back here. Now watch. All of a sudden, the quarterback is gone. You see, he's just, he's gone. You know, these guys had the 46 defense, and I loved watching them just crunch people. They, they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was a great day in my life. Okay, how about these guys? Uh, do y'all remember these guys? Remember the 86 Mets? Miracle Mets? Do you remember that? They won the World Series. Now, the moment that struck me about these guys wasn't necessarily what they did. It's what about it's what about the member of an opposing team did not do. Did anybody remember Bill Buckner? Okay, Mookie Wilson gets up bottom of the ninth, two strikes, two out, hits a little dinger down the first baseline. 
that he should have caught, tagged him out, Red Sox win. God stepped in, the Mets won. (laughs) Because I was praying for the miracle Mets to come back. And they did. Thank you, Lord, you marked my life. Now, this next one, I'm going to ask you to just bear with me. Don't throw anything at me. And please, if you have your gut, just just hold it. Do y'all remember that? Oh, I heard some boos. Oh, I know. It's okay. You can boo. Okay, for those of you that don't know what this is, this is one of the darkest days in UK basketball history. And you know it is. Where were you in March of 1992 when Christian Leitner with point, look at this, look at the score. It's point two tenths of a second on the clock. Kentucky's basketball team, the Unforgettables, were up one point. And for whatever reason, Sean Pelfrey just stands there and Darren Feldhouse watches him shoot the ball. Oh, let me show you. Let me just dig that knife in deeper. (gasps) It still hurts today. I was at Foot Locker in the mall watching that with about 500 other people, and the mall was quiet. Tumbleweeds were rolling across the mall. Look, he just, I got to get that off of there. That's bad. Okay, I need y'all to pray so I can continue on. Let's go old school just for a minute. My dad used to tell me, about Joe Namath and the, the, uh, yeah, not the yeah, Joe Namath, Joe, Joe Namath. I know who that You know Miss Jeanette knows Joe Namath. I didn't mean to go back that far. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> Miss, Mom, you know I love you, Mom. You know I love you, Mom. Seriously, now, now what is Joe Namath famous for? The guarantee we're going to win. Nobody in the world thought that the lowly Jets were going to beat the mighty Baltimore Colts. But guess what? At the end of the day, Joe run off with the finger held high. Why? They won. That marked a moment in a lot of people's lives, didn't it? Crazy. Are y'all having fun with this? Is okay? Let me come back up to my time. Remember uh, Kirk Gibson? 88 World Series. Bottom of the ninth, two strikes. That sounds good. You know, facing Dennis Eckersley. They thought, you know, they're not going to win. Well, He's, he, his hip is even hurt, too, you know? Kirk Gibson gets up, hits a home run. Remember what he did when he ran around the bases? Did y'all remember that moment? Remember that? Just a moment that marked time in my life. He's happy. Dude can't, can't run. His hip's about to fall out, really. I mean, seriously, he gets up to the plate. He's walking like this. To sw- and, they're, you know, it was, a, it was a great moment. He persevered through a hardship, and he had a moment. This is all going somewhere, I promise. Just buckle in. Anybody know this guy? I don't even want to hear the argument. Is LeBron better than Jordan? No, he's not. Put that on YouTube, Facebook, whatever. This guy, hey, come on, guy, Kruboff, stand up, brother. See, I'm wrapping y'all in this today. Seriously, this guy had more last second shots than anybody. He was ready for his moment. Come on, come on. He was ready. You know, his championship career, which consisted of two three-peats starting in 1991, started in this moment when he had the ball, a few seconds on the clock. (gasps) Boom! Bulls are going to the playoffs for the first time. Think he's excited? He was ready for his moment. You know, interestingly enough, his championship career, what? His, his, His championship career ended with a last second shot. Think about it. His championship run started with a last second shot. His championship run ended with a last second shot. 1998, two seconds on the clock, takes a shot. He really didn't push off there. The guy's momentum was carrying him anyway. (laughs) And here he walked off the court, a champion. Okay, guy, I hear you saying it's a push. (laughs) All these, all these people, Different people, different teams, different times, different moments, but they were all ready for their moment. Now, they were ready for their moment that is forever immortalized in our hearts, in our lives, because of one thing. There's one thing that ties all of the differences here together, and it's something called practice. Everybody say practice. Practice. Michael Jordan, when the rest of the team left, would stay and shoot 500 free throws. The Chicago Bears would stay after normal practice and hit 
the practice dummies harder. Kirk Gibson would have pitchers pitch to him longer, more often, more frequent than anybody else. All of those people put a little extra time in something called practice. And when their moment came, they were ready. So let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the phrase, practice makes perfect? You ever heard that? All right. Quite often, practice makes perfect. Here's the title, finally, of the message today. Here's where we're going. I have a question for you. Title's a question. Don't answer. Does practice really make perfect? All right. Does practice really? I told you not to answer. No, I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I'm asking the question. Does practice really make perfect? Now you think, Chris, how in the world does all this have a spiritual thing to it? Well, right here is some scripture, all right? Jonathan had no idea about what this message was going to be about. But the scripture that I'm going to lay on you this morning is Philippians 4.9. Now listen to this. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi, the Philippians. This is Paul. This is what he said. He says, what have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? What does he say? He says, practice these things. And the God of peace will what? He'll be with you. Now, this is Paul writing. He says, the things that you've seen me do, the things that you've received, heard, learned, all these things, I need you to practice these things. And as you practice these things, God, the coach, the one, the CEO, the guy that knows what's supposed to happen, he's going to be with you as you practice these things. Everybody say practice. Now, let me ask you this. Do you all ever remember what practice was like if you were a part of a, of, of a team? How many of you were a part of a team at some point, played a sport? A lot of you did. Do you remember practice? Do you remember what it was? What was practice? It was a lot of communication. It was a lot of somebody demonstrating something for you. It was a lot of side-by-side teaching and training and throwing and pitching. Come on, do you see what I'm saying? Somebody right beside you, you know, talking and, and, and pulling on you. Now, that's practice, but really all I remember much about practice is this. I don't know about you, but that, I seem to be the guy that always got that. You know, I played one year of organized junior, peewee, whatever you want to call it, football, and it was like everybody was always yelling at me. I don't know why. I, was, I thought I was pretty good. At least my dad thought I was. You know, I was pretty quick, but I couldn't catch a cold. They tried to throw a watermelon at me. I couldn't catch the thing in football. But I always remember somebody in my face yelling and screaming, and it was sweaty, and it was stinky. But you know what? Sometimes... You have to go through some things that might get in your face, might make you sweat, might push you to the edge before you are ever going to raise a championship trophy. Before you're ever going to get to some level that others want to go to, what have you got to do? Everybody say it. Practice. But practice will enable you to get to this point. Who wants to hold the trophy high? Of course you do. Well, it takes something called practice. If you want to compete at a high level and do something better than anybody else, you're going to have to practice. Just showing up and watching from the sideline is not going to do it. Will the coach want to pass you the ball? Practice will tell the tale. Everybody say practice. Let's look at this fine word called practice. Now, I guarantee you, a lot of you have an idea of what that means. But, but I want to get real specific with it, real, bring real clarity to it, and tie it in to something majorly spiritual. All right, practice. What are we talking about? We're talking about enactment. We're talking about carry out, implement, bring into play, doing. Everybody say doing. I'm going to say them again. Implement, enact, doing, carry out. Bring into play. Now, I love these definitions even more. Look at this one. To practice is to carry out or perform a particular activity regularly. Look at your neighbor and say, are you regular? (laughs) (laughs) Told you I was going to draw y'all in today. Now, here's the one that I like most of all. Look here. 
the actual application or use of an idea or belief. I'm going to read it again. The actual application or use of an idea or belief. What did Paul say? The things you see me doing, I need you to actually apply them, perform them regularly in your life, and God will be with you when you practice these things. Now, let me tell you what that also sounds like to me. It also sounds like some scripture right here. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers only who delude themselves. Now, I know the scripture that we all probably go to is the one where it says they deceive themselves, right? Well, the Lord led me to this version right here, the New American Standard, because simply of this word right here, delude. Everybody say delude. Be doers of the word, not those who just delude themselves. I want to give you three definitions of the word delude, and this will tie right in. Listen to this. First definition of the word delude is bamboozle. (laughs) Say bamboozle. So let's read it this way. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who bamboozle themselves. Not anybody else. Themselves. Listen to this definition. Pull a fast one. Be a doer, not merely hearers who pull a fast one on themselves. Not those around you. You. Here's the big one. Definition of the word delude. Cheat. Isn't that a big sports word? Listen, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers only who cheat themselves. You're cheating yourself when you do not practice, apply, put in motion every day the things that are in his word. Practice. Everybody say practice. Hmm. Now, I think this is really interesting. We call ourselves Christians, right? Right? Little Christ, little anointed ones. But do we practice which is regularly perform and actually apply Christian beliefs and ideas to our lives? We love to come and sit and watch and look and see others. But the question today is, do you actually apply Christian ideas, thoughts, principles, everything that we see To our lives. Now let's bring this even closer to home. The word says that we're to be doers. Everybody say doers. Now here's 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 a big key right here. John 1:14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers only who delude themselves. The word. The word took on bodily form and demonstrated what we were supposed to do and how we were supposed to do it. The rhyme, the reason, the how, the why, the look at this and do what I do. So to say that is to say this. What have you seen, learned, heard, received in him? that you practice every day. Paul said, what you've seen in me, apply that. What's in the Word? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and became a living example of what we are to practice every day. What is that Word's name? Come on, say it. Jesus. That is exactly right. So my question is this. What have you seen, learned, heard, received in Him that you regularly practice. How often do you practice if you play a sport? Every day. You do a whole lot more practicing than you do playing. You'll spend a whole lot more grinding hours that no one sees before you ever have a moment when people see. So I'm asking you again. What have you learned? What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you seen in him that you practice daily? Now, there's what I want to call the three bigs, okay? If you go to any sport, there's three main positions in any sport. Baseball, it's a catcher, pitcher, center fielder, basketball, 
Bubby, you can tell us later. Uh, football, it's uh, quarterback, running back, receiver. You've always got the bigs. Everybody say the bigs. Well, spiritually, there's three bigs that we all should practice every day. What is that? I don't even have to put a word up there. What is that? Come on, prayer, right? What would the next one be? Huh? What is it? Bible reading. Bible. You know, these are easy to pick on. Every time you go to church, pray, read your Bible, you know? I mean, here's another big one. What is it? Worship, right? Worship is a big three. I'm telling you, especially in the day that we live in. But I'm not going to concentrate on the big three, okay? Uh, hopefully, <laughs> with all three of these, I would hope that you wouldn't need somebody in your face every day telling you to pray by now, okay? Let's just be real, okay? I, just, I hope that you wouldn't need somebody in your face every day saying, hey, you better read. And I would hope that we wouldn't have to pack up Chris and Drea and the worship team and have them at your house every day telling you to worship. But in some cases, it probably wouldn't hurt. Can I have an amen? But I don't want to concentrate on these three things because I think these are the easies. There are three things that I see in Jesus that sometimes we neglect to practice because we just don't think it's for us. I'm going to say it. Please, study the Gospels. I'm going to tell you right now, go to the Gospels, study Jesus. He's the example. He's the reason. He's the model. He's the one. Put every, I love everybody else. Put them to the side right now. Focus on Jesus. He is the one right now. Everybody needs to see. So I'm asking you this question. What is it in him that you see that you've seen that you know you need to practice? Three things the Holy Spirit highlighted to me major is over the last two years, I just can't stay out of the words in red. That's where everything is coming from, from right now, from my life. And a lot of things are coming to a point in all of our lives. The reason that God is narrowing things down is to put a laser focus on His Son. The reason everything you feel is being driven to a point in your life, the point that God is trying to drive every to, everything to, is that one whose name is above every name. At that name, every knee will bow. He is the example. We need to practice who he is. The first thing the Holy Spirit really laid on my heart, something that we see in Jesus that we've got to start practicing is the supernatural. I'm going to say it again. We better start practicing the supernatural in our lives because people are absolutely fascinated with the supernatural. People in our day are captivated completely enthralled with supernatural stuff. And you can tell where that's at in a person's life sometimes by where they spend their entertainment dollar. If you have discretionary funds and you want some entertainment, where's your money going? That'll kind of show what's on the inside and where your heart and life's going. Now, I mean, I mean that to be, to be ooh, let's, let's, check on, let's check that, you know. Watch that. Now listen, people are fascinated with the supernatural. Let me give you some, some movies that have had huge box office hit. Huge box office draw. Major, major money here. A movie called The Conjuring, which is about conjuring up demons and devils. Okay, let's just be straight. Let's call it what it is. It's not entertainment. It's from hell. Can I be that blunt? Is it okay? Listen to how much money that movie made. $2 billion over an hour and a half depiction of conjuring demons and devils. People are fascinated. A movie called Paranormal Activity. $194 million about a movie with demonic possession. $194 million. Now, here's the third one. Don't throw anything at me. And I'm not, listen, I'm not preaching against, I'm just telling you facts. You can find this out. I'm just telling you. It's easy to find out. Third highest grossing movie franchise of all time, only beaten by Star Wars and all the Avengers stuff. Harry Potter. Wizards, conjuring, spells, witches, warlocks. You know how much money it's made? $7.7 billion. Over teaching our children how to conjure, how to cook up, how to spell, how to chemistry, how to basically play with demons and devils. Now, again, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just stating facts. What, what, what do they do? Supernatural. 
natural. If devil can't get mom and dad, I'm going to get Junior. McDonald's was smart. McDonald's don't care about you. McDonald's has everything to get your kids. Because if they get your kids, you're going to want kids to be happy. Devil does the same thing with the supernatural stuff. Watch the cartoon. Matter of fact, you can't watch a lot of cartoons today because it's about all kind of agendas being pushed because everybody's fascinated with the supernatural. People aren't just fascinated by the supernatural church. They're continually looking for it. That's really nothing new. People have always been doing that. I'm going to give you some scripture on it. People have always been fascinated and always been looking for the supernatural. Let's go into the Word of God to confirm what I just said to you. 1 Samuel 6 says, After the chest of God... Now, hold on. This is the message translation. It's referring to the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody good with that? Okay. After the chest of God had been among the Philistine people for seven months, the Philistine leaders called together their religious professionals. What is a religious professional? That I do not want to be, whatever that is. Called together their religious professionals, the priests, and what's that say? Experts on the supernatural for what? Consultation. People are still doing that today. Call 1-800-SUSIE-SOOTHSAYER and I'll tell you what's coming your way. There are places in this town, you can go get your palm read. There's places in this town you can go get a tarot card reading. Yeah. Fascinated by the supernatural. (laughs) They called the experts on the supernatural for consultation. How can we get rid of this chest of God? Trying to go to the devil about... Come on now. I'm I'm just talking to you. That's an example of looking for it. Look at this example right here. I love this. Previous to Philip's arrival, this is the apostle Philip, one of the boys. He's going to the town to preach. But look what the devil sent before he got there. Previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. Listen. He had them all from little children to old men. What's it say? Eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers, and they called him what? The great wizard. Fascinated by the supernatural. People eating out of the palm of their hand. Mm -mm -mm. Listen to me, church. The root of Christianity is Jesus. The root of Jesus is the supernatural. He was born supernaturally. He operated supernaturally. He died and rose again supernaturally. Everything about Jesus is a supernatural miracle. So it is inherent in a believer's life that we operate in the supernatural. Specifically speaking, which is this, signs, Wonders and miracles. That's ours, not his. That's for us to operate in. So why would I say such a thing? So that the supernatural becomes an expectation in your heart, church. So you don't settle for the ordinary, that you search for the extraordinary, and that you reach for the supernatural. Every impossibility in your life can be answered through a miracle. Every need by a sign. Every challenge by a wonder. Jesus, His name is wonderful. You know what that means? Jesus is full of wonders. Jesus does wonderful things. Get in some of that. Begin to practice that. Because you know, listen, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and with power. Whoa, key word. Then. No, wait a minute. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about one of the boys. I'm talking about Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then. Remember a few weeks ago? I said Holy Spirit, power. Power after? Well, here's Jesus. Same thing. The example, the one that we follow, the one we should practice, the one that we should do what he did. Holy Spirit empowered. Then Jesus went around what? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. What does that say? 
For God was with him as he was putting into play, as he was practicing what his father was telling him to do. He started. He did it. He's our example. Guess what? We're supposed to have it. We're supposed to do it. Question today. Do you practice that on a regular basis in your life somehow, some way as the Holy Spirit leads you? We think, no, wait a minute. That's just that's for, for certain few. <laughs> Jesus did this. Guess what? You're supposed to do it, too. Now, some people just will look at you and go, <laughs> the supernatural should be functioning in our life. He was practicing what his father was telling him to do. We see the supernatural in him, around him, and coming from him. Church, it should be the same with us today. You know, we have a service here once a month on a Saturday morning called an encounter service. And that is for all of us to get right in here and begin to jump into some supernatural things. It's not, an, it's not where you just come watch two or three. It's where everybody that comes to the encounter, you have an opportunity to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. It's an opportunity that we have once a month, every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And really, Pastor Mark, as, as we lead this, there's no real heavy agenda with it. We get in here, we, get, we begin to just get in the Lord's presence, and He begins to lead, He begins to guide, He begins to direct. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, the next time we have an encounter, just give it a shot. Think of it as time to practice. Think of it as this house, this house's call to practice. Everybody say practice. The supernatural. Get some of that. Something else that we need to practice is his presence. Everybody say presence. You know, I think one of the, one of the greatest examples of someone in the Bible that practiced God's presence was a fellow by the name of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. You know, what, what's the Bible call Abraham? The Bible calls Abraham a friend of God, too. He's a friend of God. I love, I love the scripture. Chris Burnett, every time he reads this, he starts to cry. So somebody gets, get Chris a box of tissues because he's probably going to. Chris, Chris was really touched by this, and, and this really fits into today. Listen to what this says. It says, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent. During the hottest part of the day, rough part of the day, he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Church, when is the last time in the heat of life, the heat of the moment, worst part of your day, you just simply called out, and said, Lord, stop here a while. Now, I could end the day right there. We could stop right there because I want that more than I want to continue on. I want that more than I want anything else. I want our Father to be able to look at you, to be able to look at us, and say, I want to stop there a while. It starts with you at home. When everything you feel like is about to fall apart, do you just stop? Say, Lord, stop here a while. During the shutdown a while back, a couple of years ago, I used to come in here a lot by myself when nobody was here. And I sat right here. And I said, Lord, please stop here a while. Lord, let this place be a place of healing. Lord, let this place be a place of restoration. Lord, let this place be a light to a dark world. Lord, let this place be where you want to get to. Is it okay to say things like that to God? Sure it is. Lord, and Sunday, on Sunday morning, I know you're everywhere, but could we, could we get a little bit more? Lord, I know you want to do great things everywhere, but could we get a little bit more? Why not ask that? Why not go for that? I'm going to practice what you say. Are you willing to just say, Lord, be with me a while? Abraham did. And he's known as God's friend. The friend of God. Jesus said this. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Here's Jesus. 
For I always, what? Do the things that are pleasing to him. You want him to hang out with you? Do things that are pleasing to him. Practice what he says. Do what he says to do. Go where he says to go. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Give in to it all the way. Because somebody's life will be affected by how much you're practicing. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. God wants to use you to change somebody's life. God wants to do something through you. Do you do the things that are pleasing to him? Or is church just something that you do to check the box off and I got it done for the week? Mm, 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 mm. Jesus, he, he knew how to do this. You think about it, Jesus had to do this. Jesus had to practice the presence. Well, well, he was. He was a man just like you and I. He's a human just like us. After he fed the, the 5,000, and Matthew says, after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He was basically saying, guys, I got to get in his presence. Before we go any further, I got to get in his presence. Got to hang out with him. Do you do that in your life? Think about it. Do you have a time where you shut everything off and you get in his presence? Because that's where you're going to get direction. That's where you're going to get life. That's where you're going to get the next steps to take in this journey that we're all taking called forward in faith this year. I'm talking about things that we practice actually do in our lives because it's what Jesus did. Jesus is doing that right here, getting in his Father's presence. Do you? Third and final thing, compassion. And I think that picture right now is very pertinent to the day that we live in because that is actually happening right now. That's not, that's not a thought. That's not pictures from World War II. That's actual today. That's now. Compassion. Everybody say compassion. I think it's something that's lost in today's world. I truly believe that we are living in a day when evil will be called good and good will be called evil. The love of many will wax cold. Greet it for yourself. You know what I'm talking about. We're there. Church, we have got to practice compassion more than anybody. Jesus did. Love these scriptures about Jesus and compassion. Matthew Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. I love these. Luke, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. Matthew again, Jesus called his disciples to him. And he said, I feel compassion for the people. And if you know anything about our Lord Jesus, every time he felt compassion, what happened? They were healed. The supernatural showed up. When Jesus was moved with compassion, do things move you or do you just kind of overlook things? Do things draw you into what can I do, Lord, or do you just kind of <laughs> let somebody else handle that? How many times have you seen the guy on the side of the road with the sign and the first thing pops in your mind, I guarantee he's driving a better car than I do? I know. Come on. I've been there. I'm serious. You see the guy walking down the road. Well, I can't pick him up. That might end up bad. I know, come on, we've all thought it. You have this little pull sometimes. You've got to weigh those things out. But do you listen to that still small voice that says, have compassion? Because if you do, something's going to show up. I want to look at this word compassion. It's a powerful word. What does compassion really mean? What am I talking, what are you talking about, Chris? I'm talking about understanding. I'm talking about mercy. I'm talking about care, concern, warmth, love. That is Jesus right there. That's everything. That's Jesus. Chris Dre, you guys can come on back up. That's, that's it right there. You know, just, just an example of this, you know, something happened last Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to name all of the names. Some of them I might. But as we are saying in this house and praying in this house, Lord, trust us. We want to do what you want us to do. Lord, come hang out with us for a while. Every time I pray that church, it immediately, yeah, I mean, it's attached to a person. I, you know, I, I say, Lord, do these things, and then somebody will pop up in my mind, and, 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 and somebody will just show. It's, it's, it's people. It's all toward people. And last Sunday, there was an individual that came on this property that needed help. Somebody just showed up and needed, needed some help. Didn't want to go home. Didn't have anything to eat. 
physically just under duress. And they just needed help. And some teenagers. Come on now. Some young people in this house. And I wish Ryan and Auburn were in here. We love y'all. They led the way. Specifically some Stein teenagers. I wish the Steins were in here. But you know what they're all doing right now? Serving. What do you do? This individual needed help. Our kids reached out and helped a life come to light. So following up on that, the following Wednesday, well, that Wednesday, this past Wednesday, more came needing help. Now listen, church, listen to my heart. As we begin to do these things more, they're going to show up. And they may take your breath away. Not because of the glamour. They may make you stutter step a little bit. Because it doesn't quite fit what you thought. But when you say, Lord, trust me, I'm going to practice. I'm going to do these things. Who's he going to send? People that need it. So don't shun that. Embrace that. If it doesn't, if it doesn't fit the standard that you think it should, it's probably God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because all, even, even, look, I mean, can I just be real? We've got three minutes. Even doing this is different than I thought it would be. We have all these things in our mind that we think it's going to be this way, but when you really step into something, it ain't going to be nothing like you think because his ways are higher than our ways. And our little old minds, we just go to just bad right here. First. And the Lord says, if you can just shut that off for about 30 seconds, we're going to get to the good stuff, man. Shut this off. Let me lead here instead of here. That's why this baptism of the Holy Spirit deal is it's a big deal. The Holy Spirit needs to lead you and guide you. Who is he? A teacher, a comforter, guide. The paraclete makes Jesus real. Power of God. We need that to step into the supernatural. Last thing I'm going to say, there's, a, there's an individual right now on the world scale, world stage that's ready for his moment. He's been practicing. and Now we see him in public. Everybody say, does practice make you perfect? missed a slide there, sorry. I'm going to ask you a question. Does practice make you perfect? Okay, don't answer. The question is no. Doesn't make you perfect. What does practice do? Practice prepares you. Practice does not make you perfect. Listen to me, church. Practice prepares you. Does it make you perfect? And it prepares you for your moment. Okay, now, now let, me, let me bring that in. Asking the question that I started with. Does practice make you perfect? The answer is no. Even some of you shattered out at the beginning. Practice doesn't make you perfect. Practice prepares you. Prepares you for your moment. Right now, the Lord is asking us to go to practice. I need you to show up at practice. I need you to be there. And as we do that, the Lord wants to stand beside you, lead you, train you, walk with you, show you how to do these things. All these things that I've just mentioned, the Lord wants to walk with you to really beget them, get them flowing in your life. Because just as much as we walked in this morning as a pastoral staff and said, Lord, take control. We say that, but we, do we really know even what we're really even saying? If he wanted to, would you let him? Think about it. If he wanted to shake things up, would you be okay with it? Now, back to what I said. There's an individual in the world right now who's been prepared for this moment. Do you know who that is? That is the president of Ukraine. That is Vladimir. It's not Vladimir. I really have. It's not Vladimir. It's Vladimir Zelensky. We'll make sure I got that right, too. This guy's been prepared for his moment. He's having a big moment right now on the world stage. And when America wanted to step in and say, hey, you want us to come get you out of there? Look, the game, two seconds to go. You probably don't want the ball right now. Let us pull you out of the game. What was his response to that? He says, I need ammunition, not a ride. That's a man right there. 
That's a man. I don't know where everybody's at with all that's going on in the world, but I'm telling you, this guy's been shoved on the forefront, and he's in the fight. And he's not leaving. That's a leader. That's somebody I'd follow. Why are people going over there in the, in the, by, by the boatloads? Because they got a leader. Who's our leader? Who's our leader? Did he say no to the cross? No, he willingly did it. That's a leader I'll follow. Got a question for you. Will you be prepared for your moment? Will you be prepared for your moment? You will if you practice. If you practice these things I was talking about today. Everybody stand up all over the house. You'll be ready if you practice. What do you practice? Look, stop practicing fear and doubt. Stop practicing fear and doubt. I got tired of saying, what if, what if, what if. I started saying, why not, why not, why not. I mean, seriously, just <laughs> Pastor Mark will say this to me, and he says, boy, it takes a lot to prepare for a Sunday morning, doesn't it? I used to go, yeah, it sure does. Boy, I know what he means now, <laughs> really. I'm serious. You don't know till you know. You don't know what God's going to do until you say Yes. Until you just step toward it. Until you put into practice the things that we see Jesus doing. This whole supernatural thing, this presence thing, this compassion thing. Do that today and you're going to be prepared for your moment. Because listen, here's where the world is. I'm not a doom and gloom guy going to be over tomorrow. But I guarantee you there's not very many ticks left on the clock. And guess what? In, at the end of any game, you want your starters you want your big three. You want your bigs in the game at the end. Guess what you are? You're God's bigs. You're his starter. You're his best. And you know what? He's asking us to come to practice. Why? Because he actually wants to throw you the ball. He wants to put you limping hip and all up at the plate. Two strikes, two outs, bottom of the ninth. And he's going, come on. Come on, get up there. I'm going I'm to pitch it to you, and you're going to knock a home run, and you can run around the bases doing this. Come on. Is it okay to smile in church and get happy about the time that we live in instead of being all depressed? It is a day for Jesus to shine like never before. It is a day for the church to arise like never before. We should be bolder. We should be louder. We should be more faithful, and we should be more after His presence than anything else. If I don't have your presence, I'm not going. If you're not there, I don't want anything to do with it. The Lord told me this months ago, church. Chris, go after presence more than presentation. You get the presence. I'm going to say this again. I said it last time I spoke. You know, people are going to start getting healed in here. I mean, they are. It's going to happen. I know it is. Lives are going to be put back together. People are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thing, weird things are going to happen. But it's normal heavenly things. Because He can trust us. And we're not going to have to say a word. We're not going to have to plaster pictures all over social media. We're going to let the work speak for itself. And when 50 people show up, because Bobby can see now, Susie got a leg and didn't have one, or a father began to love his children and pray over his children, and love his children. They're going to say, what was it? We're going to say, well, it's just Jesus. Because I told the Lord, I'm willing to get out of the way, Lord, and let you have it. Lift your hands up all over the house. Father, I pray today that we're all willing to just simply get out of the way and let you do what you want to do. Nobody can really figure it out, Lord. Nobody really knows. We've got to just continue to go after you. We've just got to go after you. I feel this in my heart, and this is the way I'm going to say it. If, if, there are some things, I just, if there are some things that you know you need to put into practice, you need to talk with God about it, I'm going to ask you, just, would you come down here? I just want to pray with you. That's all. I, I won't make a big deal out of it, but if there's some things you know God's maybe pushing you toward or you need to put into practice, maybe you haven't. I'm not talking about you're not evil, you're not bad, but you just, there's just let's just say it this way. There's some things you know you need to step on into. Come on down here. I want to pray over you. You just know you need to step into some things. Here's one, here's two. And, and look, this is a family thing, okay? 
They, they can't see you online. The camera's high. Don't, don't let that stop you from coming down here, okay? They, they shoot the angle where it's not, you know, you're not broadcast all over TV if some people, if that bothers you. But what, what am I saying? What are you saying? There's some things you know you need to step into. Some things you know you need to put back in. Maybe there's some things that you practiced that you just kind of put to the side. I, I know there's giftings and talents in this room, and some of you have put it on the shelf, and you think, well, no, maybe that, that my time has passed. I, fear, I hear the Lord saying to you today, your time has not passed. Now is your time. Now is your time. Now is your Anybody else, you just, you just feel, hey, I just need to, to get this going in my life again. Mm. The Holy Spirit's doing some things right now. It is 12.05. If you need to go, please please go ahead. It's okay. You're not going to offend me. I get it. you got to go to work. It's cool. It's fine. It's okay. I want to be cautious of time. I understand that. I'm sorry. But again, if there's something that you need to, to... Let me ask you this. Is there something you need to lay down? You come on down. Something you need to lay down. Or you just want prayer. You just want to come up and jump in. Hey, that's, that's fine. Ministry team, those of you that are here, come stand behind these. There's more coming. Ministry team, come, come stand behind them. Begin to pray over them. You online, I just heard that you right there at home. God's got something for you. Yes, sir, you. The Lord wants you to step into the supernatural. There are things that God's called you to do. Lay down the hindrances and jump in. Let me ask this last question. Maybe you're here today. You've not stepped into God's family. You've not, you've not said, hey, Jesus, be, be my Lord. Or maybe you did, but maybe something knocked you off track, but you need to get back on track. You, need, you don't want to walk out of here with things not right between you and the Lord. If you need to come back to the Lord today, lift your hand up. Anybody in this house, you need to come back to Jesus. You need to ask Jesus into your heart, maybe for the first time. You online, you can jump in this too. Anybody, you know that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. There's one hand right there. Anybody else? Are you going to be ready for your moment? You will if you're walking with Him. Anybody else? You need Jesus in your heart, in your life today. Anybody else in this house? All right, there's another one right there. Anybody else? You need Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else you need Jesus? And we're going to pray. Everybody pray this out loud where your owners can hear it. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to practice everything in your word I'm going to apply everything you are to my life I'm going to do what your word says I can do I love you Jesus I'm yours amen give the Lord a hand clap all over the house